All right. Well, let's pray, okay? Father, we come before you to study your word and to be enriched by it, so we can't do this without the help of your Holy Spirit. We pray now that you'll fill us with your spirit and guide us in our study. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus chapter 6. Yahweh said to Moses, now, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Let me stop there. You're going to see the word will several times here in this passage. I've underlined and, and highlighted the uh, where it says I will do, where God says I will do, and where he says I am. But you'll also see, like we see here in the first part of verse 1, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. This, this whole thing here, and it's just not just here, but it's in the Bible all the way, all the way through. God has established this unalterable, irrevocable, unstoppable purpose. He has worked out every detail of it. Not the, not the small, and we're going to see this in, these, in this chapter as well. Not the slightest detail escapes his, his oversight. Not any of it. And this is one of the hardest things for, for God's people to, to recognize, especially leaders, and most especially church leaders, pastors, this kind of thing is to recognize the fact that uh, the work is God's work. If you insert yourself too much in it, you'll, you'll wind up on heartburn medicine and, and, and worse maybe. And, and you'll find out that your way is not always God's way. And if you just let God be God and let God's way take place and, and be there for where God has placed you, of course, uh, and then get out of the way of God and just do what you're supposed to do and let it, God take care of everything else, it works out. Moses inserts himself through here. We've seen this already. And Moses has to keep being reminded by Yahweh, by the Lord, that the Lord is in control. It doesn't matter about Pharaoh. Pharaoh is just another guy along the way. He's a big, big, powerful king and all that, but he's nothing but just another person. Somewhere his ancestor happened to be in the right place at the right time and killed the right people so that he could, and he rode the right horse or the right camel or something and, and was mean enough and had enough money and enough bad guys to back him up with swords and spear. He just happened to be the guy. And using that force, he passed away. It's just, just another guy, right? Just another person. And God made him like he made everybody else. And he's in control of Pharaoh. He's in control of everything. He's in control of Egypt. He's in control of the Hebrews. He's in control of Moses. So one of the great things, and Moses goes through some bad times here, just a test of his faith. 
everybody who, who is drawn into service by the Lord is, is going gonna, is gonna to find times where things aren't so good, you know. That's why the apostle wrote, he said, I have learned uh, to, to, to go along with the good, to go along with the bad, um, in whatsoever state I'm in with therewith, to be content. Sometimes I have a little, sometimes I have much, but he says I don't, to paraphrase what he says, he says it's, it's all in God's hand and whatever it is, I'm content with it because it's all in the Lord's work. This is the great lesson that Moses is beginning. Hey, Moses can't do anything to, to defer the work of God. It's going to go on in spite of Moses, and Moses is going to become a nervous wreck if he doesn't get in line. Of course, this whole thing is a life lesson. Everybody who goes into some sort of leadership position, preachers, anybody, go, they go through this thing where, where you feel such personal responsibility, you know, this work of the Lord will not succeed if I don't work my head off and if I don't do this and if I don't create that and ruminate and cogitate and organize. And, well, you, you can do that and it, and it requires that as the Lord opens the doors for that and as He provides workers who are gifted to do those things. But you can't take it all on yourself. In the case of Moses, the Lord provided Aaron for what was perceived by Moses to be a weakness. He will provide others along the way, um, as, as Moses will see. So Moses just has to be available to be the voice of God and then stand back and let God do what God will do. This is, so here Yahweh says, you will see what I will do. You know, he just had finished in the previous chapter. It ended something like this. You didn't save Israel. All this, you know, man, they turned on me. Pharaoh said no. Uh, the, and of course, the, the whole, all right, if Pharaoh had wimped out, God wouldn't have looked nearly as great as if he hadn't hardened Pharaoh's heart to the point of the plagues and then this tremendous thing that nobody could have ever imagined. The God of gods killed the firstborn of everything that wasn't shielded by the blood of the Passover sacrifice. I mean, this is a mighty nation, probably one of the largest populated, biggest, largest population in the world in its day for that nation. And just, just by His will... God sent destruction such that it culminated in the death of the firstborn not shielded by the blood of the Passover lamb. My point is God does what he knows. And you think about that too. In this time, in this season that we're in, the Jewish people are still celebrating Passover based on this tremendous event that happened way back in the time of Moses. We don't celebrate the Passover as, as Christians. We do celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as we, as we noted in Luke today, uh, 
the Lord Jesus put an end to Passover, but he, he, he transformed it into, into the memorial supper, the Lord's Supper, whereby we, we would remember him, brought it down to one cup and the unleavened bread. And, and the other stuff was all fulfilled or overpowered by the life of Christ. And all of that would be irrelevant today except for the fact that we need to remember what Christ did for us. They would remember in Passover what God did for them in Passover. But even greater than that is what Christ did for us. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, that's greater than any animal that could be sacrificed. So, so how much higher and greater is the Lord's Supper than the Passover? That said, it still had such a powerful effect that uh, the Jewish people still honor it. And, and they still go back to what the Lord did. Now, if, if Pharaoh had wimped out on the first day or two, okay, Moses, I want to apologize to the world for our greatness. And I want you just to take all the people and then take, and then take all of our wealth with you when you leave. Well, if he'd done that right off the bat, there wouldn't be much to remember, would there? I mean, just, you know. But what he did was such a thing. And this is, the point is, you will see what I will do. You're not going to see what you're going to do. You're going to see what I will do. For with a mighty hand, he will send them out. And with a mighty hand, he will drive them out of his land. Elohim spoke to Moses. And he said to him, I am Yahweh. I've spent the last uh, three weeks, I do, I do Hebrew readings, Hebrew readings, with, uh, they don't call it the Bible, it's you know, the Torah and the writings and the scriptures and the prophets um, online, but with uh, these, uh, these uh, Israelite, the, they're Hebrew scholars, and they all are Christian. They're Messianic Jews. Um, but of course, they, they're well versed and schooled in the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, and I've, for the last three weeks, and just it's been such a tremendous study, not through with it yet. The name of God. There is so much to it. It's just, a tremendous study. I suppose after this chapter, I could insert much of that study that would be applicable to what we're looking at here for us to understand the profundity and the power of just the name of God. It's, it's not something that you just, well, especially after this study, but after any study, in the Bible, it's just not, the name of God is just not something that you flippantly think about. It's deep and it's powerful. Uh, and he only reveals himself like that in a personal way to his chosen people. There's a, in one of the churches, in one of the seven churches of the Revelation, there's a there's a mysterious portion of a verse that yet would also f fill us with uh, 
anticipation where Christ says, I'll write on you my new name. Now you think about that. The name Yahweh is not used anymore. After the Old Testament, it, except that it is in the name of Yeshua, Yahweh Savior or Yahweh Saves. So the focal point of the name now would be Yahweh Savior or Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And all we do is study about Jesus. I, well, hopefully, I mean, I, you know, I, I suppose we could we could do studies on building your self esteem and teaching you teaching you how older people stay calmer with pets in their laps and. <laughs> You know, churches do that, you know, and I'm, I just, I say, okay. <laughs> but what we do is, we want to know more about Jesus. The longer you get to know somebody, and the more you stay with them, the closer you are to them, and the more you learn about each other. Ain't that right? That's right. <laughs> See, I started out, she thought I was a lump of coal, but I'm a finely cut diamond, ain't I? That's right. <laughs> she didn't agree with that quick enough. I don't know. Well, you are, I'll tell you that. It's not reverse Well, the, the more you read the scriptures and study the Lord... He inserts himself in there. And all the way through the Old Testament, you know, uh, Yahweh Yira, uh, or uh, you had all these, Tzikanu, or, or you had all these names to Yahweh, and he's a provider. He's a healer, Yahweh healer. He's Yahweh of banners. He's mighty. Yahweh of, of armies or angels. Uh, he, he fits himself in every way that he's needed at the place that's in that part of the scripture, and he's needed this way, like the Lord provider. The Lord will provide himself. What was needed then was the provision of the Lord. That's what was needed. And he, he showed, I'm the one. I'm the, so that way all the way through. Well, all of that culminates in Yahweh's Savior, which is Jesus. Who, who is Jesus? And from that moment on, what we need is Jesus. He's all, he, he, he's all everything. And all of that comes to rest in, in Christ. And then he says in the Revelation that he's going to write on us his new name. We're spending the whole time of the age of the church presenting God as Savior. Uh, and all of these wonderful Synonyms to salvation. You know, there's peace and reconciliation, atonement. I mean, you could go on and on and on with the synonyms of salvation. Uh, that uh, reconciliation, all these things that that fit in uh, to the doctrine of salvation. All of which was accomplished by the Lord Christ, uh, and and then flows through Him and by His Holy Spirit into our lives and into the church and. The message goes forth. This whole thing, this is what we're about, you know. If, if you want to feel 
really good about yourself, then, then call yourself a depraved, pathetic buffoon. And then, without looking up, whisper for Jesus to save you. And he'll, he'll clothe you with, with something you could never clothe yourself with. And then when you study more about that, especially in the New Testament, you learn more about Christ, the more secure you feel, the less you fear death and the future and, and all of these things. You just get to know that God is just, He's in charge. He created me. He made something out of me before I ever was born and He's going to continue with me on into the ages of the ages and, and all of this comes to Christ. And then it's almost like in the new heaven and the new earth, there's a new name. It becomes, I don't know what it is. The Lord doesn't tell us. He'll, I'll write on him to the overcomer. I'll write on him my new name. My goodness. So the name of God is so powerful. And he gives us, he gives us some revelation here in this part of the Exodus about the power of his name and who he is. He says, I Yahweh. I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. Now this was not a well-known name at this point in time. People understood, the people of God understood that he was the great and mighty only God, the almighty God. But now... The purpose of God is going to be invested in a people in a special way and they're supposed to be really the priesthood to the world. So he says, he said to him, this is verse 2, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, but I appeared to them with the name El Shaddai. But with my name Yahweh, I was not known to them. Isn't that interesting? El Shaddai, but I was not known to them by my name Yahweh. And also I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their sojournings in which they sojourned. And also I heard the moans of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians are holding in bondage. And I remembered my covenant. Now this is 400 years or so, you know, since they first have come. And they've, they've, they've swelled into a nation of people. Uh, and they're, they're disorganized. They're enslaved. Until Moses showed up, they didn't have a leader. Um, they had no hope until the time was right for God to move. Now, what's happening during all that time? During all that time, well, the land of Canaan is being settled by people who are not going to get to keep it because God didn't give it to them. But He has them there to make out of it a land flowing with milk and honey. We studied in Joshua. Man, when they went in and took the land, they didn't have to do anything. This is God, you see. This is how God works. They just go in. They have to maintain. They have to. They have to kick out 
the guys that don't belong there. That was their job description. And, of course, Joshua, who is the Old Testament name for Jesus, he was the man for the day. Uh, and after all those years, finally, they settled. Unfortunately, didn't complete the work. Came back to haunt them later. But during all those years, Canaan was being cleared and settled and, and, and all these things were happening so that when God's people moved in, it was just ready for them. So this is the purpose of God. The time has come now for them to go to the land of Canaan. And God says, I remembered my covenant. So according to God's timing and purpose, it's time for them to move. Now continue in verse 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel, and here we go again, I am Yahweh. So God now wants, wants to be extremely personal with this nation. He's going to provide for them the tabernacle. He's going to illustrate by the tabernacle the ministry of the Messiah. Uh, the doctrine of salvation is just written all over the inside and out, the tabernacle. We'll get to there. We'll get there one of these days. Um, so this is, this is God continuing to develop his people and his relationship and the purpose of the glory that belongs to him. Someday all of these people through the ages of humankind, human history, his people who have been drawn out by him, whom he has cared for and purposed for, will be in his presence and it will be nothing but glory to the Lord. See, this is a step along the way. I'm Yahweh. I will take you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will save you from their labor. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will, I will, I will. I am, I will, I will, I will. And it keeps going on in verse 7. I, I probably told you about this. Um, um, Maverick show. Maverick. Brett and Bart Maverick. Anybody remember that? Am I the only person? No. Is that it? Was that? I don't know. Anyway. River boat ring your bell. Okay, enough of that. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> now, one of my daddy's favorite TV shows was when Brett Maverick, through all of whatever happened in this town, was somehow finagled into being the town marshal. And you had these wicked people who ran the saloon and they, you know, they were like thugs, right? And they were terrorizing people and all. As the marshal, Brett Maverick was sitting in front of the marshal's office, always had his hat down over and he had his feet propped up and he's just rocking, you know, just. Oh, and the concerned citizens were always coming by and saying, why don't you do something about this? Look what happened. What did he said, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm work well, he had a plan, you know. And, of course, our hero comes out on top at the end of the whole thing. But all the way through that thing, these aggravated people for whom he was working 
would complain and carry on his, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Well, that's, you know, now, now the Lord is not a riverboat gambler. <laughs> and he's not rocking in a rocking chair. But we can cry and scream and carry on, but here's what's happening. He's working on it. He's up to something. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. That's why he keeps saying, I will, I will, I will. Now, verse 7, I will, I will, I am. Verse 8, I will, I will, I am. Well, okay, verse 7. And I will take you to my people. I'll bring you in as my people. And I will be a God to you. Well, how about that? They, they're not going to be able to deny or reject this. Do you understand that? This is the will of God. They're not going to say, no, you ain't. He just said, yeah, I am. I will be your God. Wow. That's a great promise. And you will know that I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh Elohim. I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will be the one who did it. I will bring you to the land concerning which I raised my hand to give to Abraham. In other words, he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob that he would give this, hand, this land to the people. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am Yahweh. Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not hearken to Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Now here's another. This is tough. God just said he would, and the people are kind of not listening. They're feeling sorry for themselves and all this kind of thing. God's already established. It's going to happen. Of course, they're going to be happy and rich by the time they leave Egypt. There are a lot of things going to happen between this verse and the exodus that they make out of the land. Um, and even after that, they're still going to complain and murmur and carry on. But God just keeps saying, I'm working on it. You know, here we are in the world today, okay? And Israel, we're, we're not in the kingdom time right now. You, you, you may or may not understand that. <laughs> you, you may not believe that, I don't know. We're not in the kingdom of God literally on planet. Now, the kingdom, of course, is in our hearts. And we are in his kingdom in that sense. We are citizens of his kingdom. But some wonderful day he will establish it in his rule on planet earth. A thousand years. To this time, Israel has not completely enjoyed all of the boundaries that God promised to Abraham. They have not, not even in Solomon's day, had they extended their boundaries and borders all the way to what God has promised. Not, not but they will. The whole world today, you know, okay, what? Um, President Trump's got a plan. Going to reveal it. I don't know, something about a peace plan. Netanyahu has a plan. Putin has a plan. Everybody has a plan. Ayatollahs, they have a plan. Everybody's got a plan. And there's going to be some tough times. There's going to be a lot of arguing and carrying on. But I'll tell you, after all the smoke is cleared and the Lord comes back, they're going to be in that whole land, just like God said, because he's been working on it. Everything, he's working on it. And this is, this is where the people of God have to come and just rest in the Sabbath who is Jesus. He's our, he's our you know, the Sabbath is the rest. 
we rest on the completed and finished work of Christ. We just rest on Christ. He's working on it. He's taking care of it. So he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Now there's a long, lot of stuff from there even until this day that has to happen. Verse, uh, let's see, we're at verse 10, aren't we? Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Come speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he will let the children of Israel out of his land. Now, it's not going to happen the way Moses thought it should happen. It's not going to happen just right then. Because the Lord said he was going to do it with a mighty hand. And the voice box of Moses is not the Lord's mighty hand. It's going to be something a lot bigger and stronger than that. But Moses spoke before Yahweh, saying, Look, the children of Israel did not hearken to me. How then will Pharaoh hearken to me, seeing that I am of uncircumcised lips? So Yahweh spoke to Moses and to Aaron, and he commanded them concerning the children of Israel and concerning Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. These following. Now here's this insertion. All right, so here's the question. Who are these guys? Moses and Aaron. Very important figures here. So here is, here is a, a parenthetical portion of passage that gives to us who they are. All right, so here we're just going to kind of speed right through this part. These following are the heads of the father's houses, the sons of Reuben, Israel's firstborn, Hanach, it may say Enoch in your Bible, <coughs> Hanach, Palu, Hezron, Carmi. These are the families of Reuben, the sons of Simeon, uh, Jemuel and Jamin. <laughs> well, I think I know where they live. <laughs> and Ohad and Jachin and Zohar and Shaul, the son of a Canaanitess. Now these, these, are, these are details. The son of a Canaanitess. God knows what he's doing, right? These are details. God has watched this thing develop all along, and he knows where he's headed with it. These are the families of Simeon. And these are the names of Levi's sons after their generations, Gershon, Gehath, Merari. And the years of Levi's life were 137 years. Okay, now we're focusing on Levi. That's because Moses and Aaron are Levites. And they are the... They are the leaders that God has called up here. Focus is on them right now. The sons of Gershon, Libni, Shemaiah, to their families, and the sons of Kehathra, Amran, Izhar, Hebron, Uziel, and the years of Kehath's life were 133 years. The sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi, and these are the families of the Levites according to their generations. Amram took Jochebed, his aunt, as his wife. Okay. I'm telling you, God knows the details, right? And here they are. Ugh. And she bore him Aaron and Moses. And the years of Amram's life were 137 years. And the sons of Izhar were Korah and Nepheg and Zikri. The sons of Uziel were Mishael. Elzaphon and Sithri. Aaron took to himself for a wife, Elisheba, 
the daughter of Aminadab, the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar. The sons of Korah were Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. These are the families of the Korahites. Eliezer, whoops, let's see. There it is. Eliezer, the son of Aaron, took himself one of the daughters of Patil to himself as a wife, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites according to their families. That is Aaron and Moses, to whom Yahweh said, Take the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt with their legions. They're the ones who spoke to Pharaoh with the king of Egypt to let the children of Israel out of Egypt. They are Moses and Aaron. So this is not an afterthought. This is not just something that happened. This is the plan of God. It goes all the way back and traces them back and starts back to where, what, the first three, the three oldest sons, I think, is what we looked at? And then narrows that down to Levi and then brings us all the way to Moses and Aaron because this is a plan of God. I will, I am, I will, I will, I am, you will, he will, I will, I am. See that all the way through. Now it came to pass on the day that Yahweh spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, I am Yahweh. Speak to Pharaoh everything that I speak to you. But Moses said before Yahweh, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, so how will Pharaoh hearken to me? I'm going to end it right there because Moses still doesn't get it. Why is he going to listen to me? I will, I will, I am, he will, you will, I am, he What, what part of all that did not Moses get? A little bit on the idiot side at this point in time. His mind is still with the sheep in Midian. How's he going to hearken to me? Still not putting it completely in the hand. You know, what he should have said was, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. It's going to be a bumpy ride, but I'm going to enjoy it. And every bump has a reason for it. And I'm looking forward to learning the lesson. But he didn't say it that way, right? Okay, we'll, we'll stop there. And uh, God willing, we'll pick it up, uh, what, in a couple of weeks, I guess? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for the power of your purpose and your will that overwhelms us and that has brought us into Christ. Help us, Lord, to rest more and more on our Sabbath, who is Jesus. And to, to lean closely into your bosom, trusting you in every facet of life, knowing that you are working on it. In Jesus' name, amen.